You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. You don't know anything about being a ginger. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes, Bracken. Life is hard, but at least I have hair. Let's dive into, uh, we're going to dive into one thing real quick before we jump into the real topic, and that is you had knee surgery yesterday, Bracken, and I have not spoken with you. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. It, I'm not feeling the way I expected to feel, but I feel like all things considered pretty good. So what did they do to you? Tell us about, tell me about the surgery. So I had a meniscectomy, I believe is what it's called. Uh, is that different than a vasectomy? It is. I wish they could have done both, honestly. That would have been convenient. Now I have to wait out. like 60 or 90 days before I can go under again. Oh, damn. But uh, so I had a while back, at least a year and a half ago, I tore my meniscus. Um, but it was a small tear and it was very manageable. And really, like we talked about, only big efforts caused issues with it. And then like now nine or 10 weeks ago, I tore it again. And and that one was significantly worse. And that one folded over right away. We, I didn't know that until a couple of weeks ago. But then like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, after High Rocks, my next workout after High Rocks, um, on my recovery set, just walking around the corner, I just blew up. <laughs> my knee just like exploded. And it turned out the original tear got worse and folded over as well. So both were folded over. One was folded over, compressed against the ACL. The other one was uh, a medial tear. So they went in. Um, they, they, they can do meniscus repair. They can do the, I'm going to say it wrong, meniscectomy or whatever. Basically, they just snip off the flaps and remove it. And that's what I had. Or they can remove the whole thing. Mm. So in terms This is called a... Okay, go ahead. In terms of recovery, I had the best one. If they repair the meniscus, you keep your whole meniscus, but the recovery is longer. But your long-term prognosis can be better as an athlete. Uh, the one I had is the quickest recovery, but you have a higher rate of arthritis down the road. And the full removal is just never good because now you have no cushioning in there. So they cleaned it up? Yeah, basically. took off, uh, snipped both folds off, took it out, and that's it. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, can't you potentially be back on your feet running? I mean, easier, short distance, but like three, four weeks. Yep. Yeah. He said, shoot to be back to training within a month and racing within two. So no excuses. No. You're going to jump right back in and top level fitness and you're going to be better than ever. You're going to be fixed. I'm going to jump right back in. I'm already three and a half weeks since my last run. Oh. And I'll be another two to three before my next run. So I'll be looking at five and a half to six weeks of no running total when you count prior to surgery plus recovery. But I'm going to be hamming on every every single thing else. I'm going to be gigantic in the upper body by the end of this rehab. And I'm going to be on the spin bike within a few days here, I believe. There's a really good uh, cross-training podcast episode that came out a couple days ago you should listen to. I've got so many messages. How to cross-train through injury, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So no, I feel good. I've, I, I'm a little swollen. It's just, it's like a dull ache. I don't have any sharp pain. Like walking up steps, like as that weight translates to my like upper, lower quad, upper knee in there, that's like the worst thing right now. Oh, but interesting. I, I lifted this morning. 
um, did my leg exercises that I'm trying to keep going every day. And it's day one is in the books. Now, are you going to forget about your other leg temporarily so you don't create a big discrepancy in strength? Or are you going to continue to do single leg movements on your good leg still? My plan is to do everything with my right leg that I'm doing with my left at the same weight. Okay. So if I'm doing like, uh, so, so I partnered with, um, with wear bands. Are you familiar with them? No, I am not. Okay. So they're, they're basically like, um, it's just a rubber band system, but you can attach it to shoes or to, um, like a wrist, um, glove type thing. So you can do dynamic movements with resistance. I've seen them now. I didn't know they're called. Yeah. I know what you're talking so about. So yeah. we, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks that this is kind of like the perfect time to partner together where I can't do weight bearing too much on my knee right now but with the band work i'm going to use that as as a, a pretty intensive rehab program and so whatever Smart. color band i'm using on the left injured leg i'm going to use on the right and do the same number of reps so in theory i won't get too far off like that that's safe too because it's an you know with band work it's a increased and smooth intensity yep. the further they're stretched so you can kind of dictate what your body's ready for and stop when it's appropriate i can't drop anything moment. i can't have like yeah. a jerky movement if, I, if yep. I try to band up too much i'm just not gonna i'll know from the start rather than getting to like a point of like resistance where oh shoot i'm in trouble so yeah i'm gonna band work until i'm ready for weights i'll add weights in but my plan is to keep the band work now as like a a staple of my routine moving forward uh well, you know, we were supposed to record this podcast yesterday, which would be Thursday, and I wanted Bracken to uh, talk to us all loopy right off of his drugs after surgery, but he couldn't keep his eyes open. It was weird. It was baby. It was so, so. He couldn't so, do it. I ended up not going with any drugs afterwards, but I, so I never got the loopy part, but I just got like extreme fatigue. I, I, I couldn't wake up out of that surgery. I fell asleep twice and- on the way home, I was just on the struggle bus. Yeah. It's like uh, when I've been put out, it's, you describe it as like the best nap of your life. Like you go out, like you, I woke up, I wake up feeling refreshed every time I get knocked out like that. No, not me. Apparently I, I woke that up needed a couple more hours. Ah, uh, shoot. And so had some good drugs. I could barely keep problem. the car on the road on the way home. Wow. Yeah, you were driving home. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, good. I'm glad you're doing well, Bracken. You look uh, you look healthy to me. I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling yeah. like it's the ne- the first chapter of like the next book of of my athletic career here. Ain't nothing gonna hold you back, Mm-mm. brother. Nah. Um, should we jump into a little race called Jacksonville? Yeah. Jacksonville Spartan race. So th- this race is screwing with me. N- not only did I come out of surgery all discombobulated, but I keep forgetting this race is on Sunday. Yep. It's messing with it's on me. On Sunday. I'm not even getting into Jacksonville until my flight lands at 3.30 p.m. Saturday afternoon, which strange? is super weird. So like today, it's Friday. I guess we're recording late for you dedicated listeners. So sorry about the late release today, but... Um, yeah, like normally it'd be like pre-race protocol and today it's just you and I shooting the bull on our podcast, like n- regular day. Well, I, I saw the weather report. You, you mentioned the weather report to me and I was thinking, oh my goodness, people are going to get rocked with this weather. And then you, of course, reminded me like, no, we're still 48 hours away from race time. Yeah. Today, again, Friday, it is, feels like 39 degrees currently with like 20 mile an hour winds and rain. It looks in like Jacksonville. the weather's going to, Jacksonville. That's crazy. Yeah. It looks like the weather's going to clear up enough where, We'll probably be the elites on Sunday. I'll start and it'll be low to mid fifties 
It's supposed to be dry. Yeah, except as we were talking just before we started recording, you know, it's got a lot of rain. So everybody doing the super on Saturday is going to tear the shit out of that course. And we're going to be running through some slop. That's my guess on Sunday. Pretty heavy, beat up course. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if all the mud that gets caked onto some of these new obstacles will actually help with uh, this new Z wall. I mean, not the Z wall, the Olympus wall and slip wall. Those, the new material they use is really really slippery i wonder if a layer of dirt might actually give you some some purchase on that if you have to use knees or something it might you know i did the new slip wall last weekend in arizona and slip wall is just as grippy as the wood oh really like that yeah but i'll tell you what the olympus everything was a little dewy and wet in arizona so maybe that act factored in but like i had a moment or two in there where i had to pause I had to backtrack and grab back to reassess where my next move was probably took me twice as long as normal because of the slickness of the board. And again, there was some wet dew, but um, I bet you, especially in a fast race where people are really trying to make quick decisions, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually gets somebody or two. I bet we'll see one or two men in the top 10 fall off. And I bet we'll see like three women. Yeah, it's slick, man. If it, and if there's, you know, like last year in Jacksonville, there was some condensation overnight. So even though it wasn't raining, or maybe it missed it, I forget, it, but there was a little bit of water. Bit. Maybe if that's the case, it doesn't look like it will be, but um, that was way different dynamic than the old Z or the old uh, slip or yeah. Olympus. So we'll see. Was it worse than Tahoe? It well, yeah, it was the same. Yeah, it was the same as Tahoe oh, for me, based on the temperature and the wet. fact it had some. It was a little wetter, yeah, but it felt about the same. Yeah, yeah I had I, Tahoe was not like an easy, fun slip wall. I mean, Z, nope. uh, Olympus. I usually fly across that. It's it's a it's an obstacle I can make up ground on, and <laughs> it was just a completion task that day. Get through it. Yep. Yeah. So that that would be it. Um, I, I think we should just. I just took a quick glance at the course. Do you want to talk about it real quick? Have you looked at the map? I'm coming in blind, so so let, let let's let's have you take the lead here. All right. Well, I think here's the things you got to look at. This is a sprint, right? So be shoulder to shoulder. There's going to be, um, you know, some intensity up front. I will say I raced in Arizona last weekend. And the one thing with the elite qualification standard this year is there were only like 30 of us in the elite field in Arizona, but the age groups were much bigger because a lot of people couldn't get into that elite group that normally would. They would, they didn't make the cut. So I, I would expect to see the elite field look small. Like when the camera shows the elite field, I'm guessing it's going to look like a little, you know, anticlimactic, but that's because of that gated mm-hmm. situation. I think the age groups are going to be super freaking competitive. Like it's bumping back a bunch of people. I, I like that. I, I was, when I saw the the start line picture in Arizona and then I looked at SoCal as well, I thought, oh, this, this it looks look good. But then I watched uh, the Abu Dhabi marathon while I was doing some, some spin bike the next day. And I realized, and I started looking back at a bunch of other road races and triathlons. That's how all pro fields look. You're lucky if you yeah. get 30 deep of competitive athletes. And then, yeah, you have the masses in the age group. So I think it bolsters the age group competitive competitive factor. But it also is going to um, it's going to take some getting used to to see a small field. But we'll, the one thing you won't see anymore are these guys out there in like board shorts and and dad bods, you know, getting caught one mile in by the women's field. So I think that'll help the credibility. Yeah. And I looked at the results from Arizona, you know, the spread between the winner and last place, we'll call it. And if you look at like other races last year where they weren't gated, 
eh, there's a huge discrep like a huge discrepancy in that gap. It, it's not nearly as large. It it kind of you know it gets more down to business, and that's the way it should be. So, anyways, there might be a it might feel like a ghost town at the start line and feel a little weird, but it doesn't discredit the uh, ability of who's standing there. So, I thought that was a good thing. But Jacksonville, the course, so you know. They're not throwing a whole lot at us that's failable unless the conditions are real crap, right? The biggest thing I noticed when I looked at the map is they're putting us in that lake in the water at about half mile. And it's longer than last year. So they're putting us right into the pond. Uh, I think we go over a wall or two in a hay bale. And then we're into the water. And initially I had seen Z-Wall was the third obstacle about three quarters of a mile in. And I thought that's going to be a problem. But now that I look at it, yeah, it could be a traffic jam, but they're putting us in the water. And man, I mean, that I think we're going to be in the water for a minute or two, a couple minutes. And that's early. And it's going to be people kicking each other in the face. It's going to be a mess. And I don't know if that water's deep enough to swim or if it's just going to be, you know, no life jackets, hoof, hoofing. So I think that's going to break the field up a little bit early. And then out of the water, we're going to hit Z wall. We're going to be wet. You never know. And then it's going to progress into, um, you know, what we're kind of typically thinking of in a Spartan race. We're not going over the moguls or the the speed bumps of the motocross course. That's at the end. So there's going to be nothing to break rhythm as far as terrain. It's just going to be fast and fiery. But that swim stood out to me. Yeah, that, that does. When I think back to races that get broke open by obstacles, I, in my opinion, and you, you can interject here if you want, but the two obstacles that break up a field faster than anything else are the barbed wire crawl and a water crossing because there's just not enough lanes for everyone. Whoever gets there first immediately separates from the people behind them. And, and whoever decides to really attack it comes out with a lead. I, I've been watching, all, I'm, as I'm sure you have, watching all the old recaps of the races, uh, getting fired up during the offseason. And there are people, Woods, Atkins, a couple of people like that, come out of every early crawl with suddenly a gap on the field. And yep. it, it's just... They probably didn't put up that much more energy, but they made sure to accelerate in and out and suddenly, boom, they've got 10 seconds. And in a sprint, five to 10 seconds is a game changer. Uh, do you remember the, that South Carolina, Asheville, that race where you, we enter the river and people came out of that with massive 20 second gaps on people just for how you pick through the water. And so I think you highlighted yep. it perfectly. That early water crossing is going to be that first make or break point in the race where if you're not coming out of that with the group, you've dug a hole. Yeah, and and like I said, I think it's going to be a assess as you get there situation because last year in Jacksonville, it was about chest deep. They didn't make us wear PFDs, and we could keep everybody pretty much kept their feet on the ground and kind of power hiked through it. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I don't know if they're. I don't think they're going to have us get life jackets and stuff. Could that be too much of a mess early on. Yeah. Uh, is it going to be better to swim and really go for it? Is it going to be better to keep your feet on the ground? I don't know, but it's early enough in the race and the race is short enough where I think you got to, you can't really hold back. Mm -hmm. I think you're just going to have to attack it. Yeah. I think you're going to have to do some dolphin diving or porpoising, uh, whichever aquatic animal you want to go with. Um, But, but running into it, leaping into it rather than chopping the steps, you know, treating it like a hurdle, getting into it fast and then dolphin diving with a quick stroke or two, whenever your feet feel like, I'm about to go a little bit deeper than, than waste, I think is going to be the fastest. It's going to take some energy, but I think that's energy well spent. Yep. Yeah. And I think the biggest shuffle, just looking again at it, we're talking that first up until Z wall, which is three quarters of a mile in, you're going to have everybody getting out of the water 
and putting their hands on Z-Wall and they're still going to be wet. There's no way around it. And so if you're in the front end and maybe you get one of those, it could be bone dry. But if you're in the middle or back of the elite field or even later in the day, I have a feeling that Z-Wall could be dripping with water based on we're coming right out of the lake. So it just could be interesting. Like I'm just trying to find like any gaps in the race in which maybe there could be some shakeups and there probably won't be, but if there's potential, that's where I see it happening. When is, when is the first crawl then? Let me look, uh, pull her up on my phone. I had it ready. Cause those, those crawls have a tendency just, just like a Z wall. Anytime you have to break down and kind of mount something without running into it, like you have to get down on your knees for the crawl or stop and, and get on the first, uh, hand or foothold of the, the Z wall that causes a traffic jam behind you. And just like hardware crawl, like three, it's almost at the end, okay. three and a half miles in. Looks like this course is not a 5k. First of all, according to the map, <laughs> uh, it looks like, it looks like it's going to be running three and a half miles, uh, roughly at least I would say. Okay. Three and a half. Still so, short compared to previous sprints, but not a 5k. Yeah. Yeah. How fast do you think the winner is going to cross? I have an idea. If it's three and a half miles, depending on what they do with carries, I think you'll see between 29 and 32 minutes, maybe even 28 minutes. Carries look short. Here's the deal. I ran the Arizona. Okay. Super. Then I'm going to, I'm going to redact it. And I'm going to say 25, 25 for the win. I ran the Arizona super in 51 minutes. It was a true 10 K with 700 some feet of gain. Half that we're at 25 minutes flat course, take off more time, a little more obstacle density because of mm -hmm. the frequency of obstacles. I don't think it's crazy. I don't know how slow the swim is going to make everybody. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a 20 to 23 minute win. Wow. If you look at it, depending on how much the, the swim slows people down. Okay. I, I generally look at Spartan races like they're the next distance up in trail racing. So a 5K Spartan race can be one in what an 8K trail race could be. So if you're looking 8K cross country, you're right. You're talking good runners, 23 to 25 minutes. I guess, you know, I'm thinking 5K, but there's an extra almost half mile on there. So yeah, maybe it would be closer to 25. Still, that that's the fastest race that anyone will have ever done. That's not yeah. a stadium. Yeah. But you were telling me when we were talking, when this first got released as a sprint, and you have theory, everybody thinks it's going to be you know, 20 guys abreast mile into the race. It's not going to be that way because Spartan races always have a tendency to create five, 10, 15, 20 yard gaps mm -hmm. just because of how quick somebody hops on the Z wall and hops off. Somebody gets hung up here. They always spread open earlier than you think. Yeah. They're going to be little packs, you know, two to five people. Uh, and it won't be 10, 20 guys. It'll be 10, 20 guys within 15 to 20 seconds of each other where you're not free and clear ever, but I don't think you're going to be running eight wide once you get past a half mile, mile into the race, because the shorter the race, the more the obstacle density is and the harder it is to get off of an obstacle next to someone. Just the entering yeah. and exiting of every obstacle. Even if you watch at the beginning of these races, people going over the speed bumps or the five foot walls, it creates a little separation. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we're going to jump into who the real players are here and who we think is going to do well and all that. But, before we do that, let's. Uh, what do you think it's going to take to win? As far as what type of race strategy, no matter who it ends up on top, how would you say what kind of race needs to be run? I think tactically aggressive is the only way to win one of these. I think you have you cannot be out of contact at any point. But I really don't think 
the person leading a half mile in wins the race or even Mm -hmm. maybe even a mile, maybe, but it's coming off of the first real set of obstacles that the race starts. We noticed it last year here, last year in Alabama, the faster races that the beginning didn't matter as much as coming off of the first set of obstacles. So when people cleared Herkhoist in Alabama or when they cleared the Z wall in Jacksonville, suddenly the race started and there was a gap and you were out of luck or there wasn't a gap and you were in the mix. So whatever that first make or break point is, you have to be in it. The sandbag carry is obstacle 5K. Sandbag carry obstacle 5 is roughly a mile and a half in. I think when that sandbag is set down, we're going to know who's playing ball Yeah. Uh, at that point. I don't think earlier than that, I think we're going to definitely know our players by the time that sandbag's down mile and a half in. The, and the hardest part about Spartan Race when it's a fast course is that if you get caught behind, you're at the mercy of people in front of you. When you're on the road, you can just make moves whenever you want. But if we hit any trail section, you are your pace is defined by when you can get around people in front of you, and it's not always on your terms. And so coming out of the water is going to be really important for people that if you have, uh, for example, back in the Asheville race, the Kempson boys got through the water so fast one year, and they had like a 30-yard gap on the whole field, and then Matt got caught shortly after, and Ryan got caught a little while later because he wasn't yet who he is now as an endurance athlete with his fitness. But if something like that happens here, if you have two or three guys that just get through it clean, that bogs up the field. In Asheville, it was a 90-minute race to, to get around people. If you have a 22- to 25-minute window, you don't want to spend a single stride chopping your steps waiting for someone in front of you to move out of the way. Yeah, and I think this is how it goes. You know, People are going to go out a little aggressive. I plan to do the same thing. I'm going to go out more. I'm not going to be comfortable with what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, and I already understand that. And there's going to be 15 guys that are going to be doing that. Okay. And we're all thinking, okay, we got to keep pace with, you know, VJ and Botris and Woods and Kempson who go out hot. Right. The guy who wins is going to have one of those days where, yeah, you go out uncomfortable, but somehow it's there for you that day. You're on the verge of like where you shouldn't even be flirting with, but you got, let's say you prepped correct, or you got lucky, you timed your nutrition, whatever it is, you're having your day. And that, that's going to be who's winning. That's going to win. That's my opinion. Everybody's going to go out aggressive and it's just going to be somebody's day. Their body's clicking. Like that's the difference, I think, in a race like this. I, I'm just seeing it go that way. The shorter the race, the less guaranteed it is that the best person wins. And the yep, more, I actually agree with that. Yeah, the, the more variables are in play and the more mistakes can't be covered up. In a marathon, even in a half marathon, a 10K, those kind of races – you can cover mistakes. The best people can bide their time or just run away from people. In a short race, people can can pop a race. People can get lucky. People can have timed their fitness differently. We saw it with Kempson last year to start the year. He came in really yeah. sharp. And some of the other guys who other people would, would have considered better OCR athletes at the time weren't prepared for that sharpness of his running. And so yep. th- this, if this is going to be well under 30 minutes, it – I mean, be prepared for people on the podium who you wouldn't normally think are the best one out there. Yeah, and also I think be prepared for some epic blowups in the last mile. Yeah. Or two. I mean, like, like, and that's something I'm yeah, have in the back of my head. You know, with a risky game plan, uh, there could be some really epic blowups. Yeah, in this race, just like you would see in like a three-hour mountain course where somebody in the last half hour just completely takes a shit. Like, 
you could see that in a very quicker version, I think, in this race. Everyone's going to feel fast for that first half mile to mile. But once they get some real accumulated fatigue coming off of an obstacle or, or the first carry, and now Kempson or Botris or, um, or VJ snaps it right back down to five flat pace, now suddenly everyone's not having fun anymore. Nope, it's gonna be no, it's gonna be the least fun out of most races that you'll have yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, the shorter it is, the, the more you compress all your pain into a short little segment of time. So, everyone, I, I, if I had a piece of advice, it would be: this is your day to practice running smooth and relaxed. The faster would, you run, the more relaxed you have to be. You got to have that. You know what is it? Relaxed is smooth and smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Your hands have to be bouncing loose. Your face has to look half asleep because in the course of an intense, highly anaerobic race, every little energy expenditure counts. In the moment you blow up, you can't fake it. You're just spit right out the back. But on the other side, the people who are moving in the second half of the race are the people who are going to be getting that little bit of adrenaline rush every time they realize, oh man, someone just blew up. Or I just move past someone because, again, you can't fake it. And you know, if I pass them now, they're done. There's there's not saving anything in this race. If you're going past someone, that's now your spot. And it just launches you forward. Totally right. So let's jump into uh, who the players are, what we're dealing with. Let's start with the ladies, okay? Now, I believe, you know, from social media gathering and what I understand, who's showing up and who's not. I'm going to just rattle off the top 10 really quick from last year. Okay. We had Nicole Miracle one, Lindsay Webster second, Rose Wetzel was third, Rebecca Hammond fourth, Alyssa Hawley fifth. And then the back half of the top 10 was Leanne Wastini, Rhea Coble, Nell Rojas, Tia Reagan, and Faye Stenny. Mm-hmm. From what I know, only four of those ladies in the top 10 are coming to race on Sunday. Four. We're not going to see, Ro- we're not going to see Rose, Rebecca, Alyssa, Rhea, Nell, or Tia. Okay. So Nell and so Tia, I thought, side. could have pulled this off. Yeah. But they're not going to be there. Rose Rose is someone that I think would have been on the podium. But she's doing yep. high rocks. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So right now, that last year's top 10. I could be wrong. Maybe I'll get a message like, you don't know what you're talking about. But this is just what I'm gathering. We have Nicole, Lindsay, Leanne, and Faye coming to race. So... Who else is going to fill that top five? Who has podium potential? What are we even looking at on the women's side? Do you know? Well, I I personally, now this is tricky because all we can go off is social media. We don't know who made fitness moves in the off season or who took really extended breaks outside of what they're willing to share on social media. So if I were looking at it just off the things I know, I would say this is Nicole's race to lose. And Faye is the only person with the foot speed to hang with her. Just because I've, yeah. I've seen Faye race in person at High Rocks, and she looks really, really fit and good right now. But Rebecca's as fast as any of those girls. And then you have the whole anyone who lives in the South might just be faster. You might have Alexander Walker. You know, She's going to be dead High Rocks. Oh, she is. Okay, so you won't have her. Yeah. Um, you might have someone like Leanne who has made a big jump in the offseason. But the, the, the knock on the women's field – is that we don't know them well enough. We've never seen most outside of the the Fays and the Lindsays. We haven't seen them in a, a 30 minute course or a 25 minute course. Yeah. We have no idea who's who's been playing with some foot speed that we don't know about. Yeah, I think the the women that come to mind right away um 
would potentially be, you know, the people that were just kind of knocking on the top 10 door last year. And they did, they did at times as well, but um, I don't know if Lacey Burgess will be coming. She's a flatlander who used to live in Minnesota. She can have some speed to her. Um, Natalie Miano trains flat and fast mm-hmm. with Mark. She would be, you know, ready to kind of hop in there. Um, Casey Monroe was in Arizona, had a decent race. Um, you have Ashley Heller, like all these women I think are going to fill those spots. I just want to know who's going to be really like nipping at the top ladies heels. And the one thing I was wondering is, are we going to see some of the stadium athletes coming out for this? Some of those fast women that kind of stick to the shorter stuff. Do you know if we've seen anything about them coming? We might, but the thing about the stadium athletes is that most of them come, at least the women who have been doing really well, you wouldn't consider them the blazing foot speed girls. You'd consider them the really, really good athletes. And a lot of them, I would say, are behind, like when Becca comes over or when Faye comes over, they're behind them and they make it up on stations or or transitions, but they're, they're not able to run like a collegiate runner would, they can just do everything else better than a collegiate runner. So I, I yeah. don't think we'll see a big shape shakeup from that direction. This is the kind of race you could see a shakeup from the trail direction. Oh yeah, I guess if they've really watered down the obstacles. You could see some people up there for a while, but I just don't have, especially on the female side, unless they've been doing some rock climbing, I don't have a ton of confidence that you get a, a fast trail runner in who's going to get through Olympus. And yeah, and helix and i don't do they even have twister in sprints anymore nope no twister okay so monkey bar no beater you still got to get through monkey bar which if you're not someone who's been playing on obstacles actually can be tricky if there's dew on it or whatever so i think on the guy side you might see a couple of people you've never seen before up there for a while yeah maybe but on the women's side i think it's the i think it's the standard players I think Lind- well, Lindsay yeah. is going to be right up there in the second half of the race, as always. She'll probably have a gap built up in the first mile, and she'll she'll close it right back down like she always does. I'm excited for the women's field, actually, as much or more than the men's field, mostly because I think we're going to have some new names to talk about when the race is over. Uh, and there are some guys we're going to mention here, too, that I think are going to have a decent showing um, in fact, I think there's you know, one in particular that could even potentially podium in, in the race on Sunday that I don't think people are looking at, but on the women's side, I just think we're going to be seeing some people and maybe hopefully some new really strong faces, but if not, at least we're going to have some other people that we, we don't normally talk about in the mix. And I think that'll be fun. We're going to find out which camp is right. (laughs) The camp that says we need people to specialize in sprints versus supers versus beasts, or the people that say a 20 minute race is a 60 minute race. Endurance is endurance. It's still not sprint speed. We're going to find out, like, is Lindsay's never considered the speedster, yet she's on every sprint and 3K podium. You know, are we going to find out? She's still right, doing better right. than these girls. Nicole's fast no matter what the distance. Or, like you said, are we going to have these new names that bring a different skill set to the table actually kind of upset the balance a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I think on the women's side, just because there's such a a gap of, of ladies that aren't showing up that would normally be the front end, I think we're going to see – I bet you we see – a six to eight minute difference between first and 10th. And I think on the men's side, you see two minutes at most minute, 90 seconds, even maybe between first and 10th. I, I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be a pretty exacerbated difference between the two. I agree. With um, that. It'll just be interesting to see how it shakes out. As far as the women, anything else to add? I think, I think Nicole's going to shoot out like a, like a cannonball and 
you know, maybe one or two people will go with her, but I think there's going to be clear gaps early. Uh, and I think it'll just be, I think there'll be some, maybe people making up time in the second half there. I think the men's field is going to go very different. I, I agree. And I think that you could sort out how the first mile goes by 5k capabilities. You have people like Faye and Nicole who can run under 18 minutes in a 5k, you know, potentially under 17 if they, if they worked on that or if, or if they're in that type of fitness right now, but you'll also have a bunch of girls in the, who can go top 10, who might be 20 minute 5k runners because they're obstacle yeah. proficient and they're fast enough. They can keep a percentage of that, that 5k speed when they're tired. Whereas on the guy's side, the very fastest guys in this race are going to be no more than one minute faster in a 5k than the 15th fastest guy in the race. Like who yeah. would you think there's anyone running under 1430 right now or under no. 1440 in the, for the men? At this point in the season, no, I think I think there's a handful of guys in fifteen fifty, fifteen twenty to fifteen forty shape on the roads. Yeah, and I think there are a couple guys who could break fifteen. I, I honestly believe that on a track, maybe, maybe even the roads um, Good conditions. Yeah, but even if they're running fourteen fifty nine, there are fifteen to twenty guys in this race who are all going to run fifteen fifty nine, and so, like you said, there's just not that spread in speed where. A 1559 runner can run with a 1459 runner for the first mile. It's just what happens after that. Right. And in our sport, what happens after that is everyone gets tired and you do obstacles. So I I, I think you're exactly right. The spread of the men's field will be much smaller than the spread of the women's. And, you know, room room for error is so minimal. For example, last year in Alabama, Ryan Woods in a super that took over an hour or at an hour failed his spear throw. He was right up with the lead, right, Ryan? The best he could do is come back and take seventh place after burpees, which is actually freaking incredible yeah. considering the fields. One mess up, even if you are the leader, even if you are, it doesn't even matter who you are, you are out of the top 10. No questions asked, in my opinion. If you fail anything, miss your spear, that's it. Game over. You are out of the conversation permanently. I think eighth or ninth, if the leader misses and stays intact, eighth or ninth is the best you can get. But yeah, you might even just be shot right out of the top 10. You might just want to walk it in. <laughs> I mean, if you really care about winning. Yeah. Um, so let's jump to the men then. I, I wish I had more info on the ladies. Sorry, I don't. I just, I know who's they're quieter showing, up and not showing up. Yeah, they're not, they're not trying to show their egos as much as the men. They're not flexing like, like the, the men are. No, they're not. All right. So what's the men feels looking like, man? Fast. So we, we know, and, and you had to get a great call with Natalie Mano before because she and Mark are always fit early in the year. Always. Yep. Uh, Mark, Mark is fast and Mark is fit. Uh, VJ, we don't know exactly what level he's at right now, but we know he's always good and that he's been circling this on his calendar for a long time. You have um, Ryan Woods, who of course hasn't lost many steps in the last couple of years. He's still fast. You have a lot of people that can flat out fly and are they're all obstacle proficient mark is really quick through obstacles vj is even faster through obstacles ryan woods i think from all his savage racing he's done he's gotten really quick through hanging obstacles that the fastest guys may ryan kempson i don't want to leave him out because he might win the whole thing he's he's so fast in and out of obstacles that the fastest runners are also the fastest obstaclers yeah yeah and i want to just i'm going to step real quick so um, I'm going to run through the top 10 from last year, and then I'm going to tell you who's not coming as well, just so we can see where cool. the spots are going to open up. So Ryan Kempson won. Ryan Woods was second. I'm not counting Woods as DQ for the sake of this conversation. Right. 
So Woods was second, even though he got pushed back. Atkins third, Ryan Kent fourth, myself fifth, Tyler Veerman sixth, Robert Killian seventh, Johnny Luna Lima eighth, Brian Gowiski ninth, and Sir Brackenstein tenth. Now to those people, from what I know, no Kent, no Tyler Veerman, no Robert Killian, and no Bracken Cracker. So that Killian makes Mouse six said he's going to go, but he's oh he does literally in the worst shape he's ever been in for yeah, OCR. He started running like last week. Yeah. Well, okay, so six or seven of the top ten will be there. We're going to be missing three or four. I guess if Killian's gone, we'll be missing three. Okay, but we didn't have VJ there. Botris was still really beat up. Newell wasn't the Newell we know. Um, so that's what we're looking at for for what it's worth. Yeah, and then you have that next wave of guys: the Logan Broadbents, the Nicholas Rikers. Um, there's there's a local boy down there who. Yep. I, I forget his name. He's a trail runner, and there was some controversy with his win because he won off course or whatever, but there's no – he did it in road racing shoes. <laughs> he was fast yep. on technical terrain in racing class. He lives down there. Yeah. So there, there yeah. Are, there's that whole next wave that's also fast. Mark – I'm going to butcher his name. Mark Godet, Goudet? Godet, Godet, I think, or Godet. Now, he's he's my guy. He He's my guy. He's not my guy, but he's, I got a bunch of pictures from Tahoe and the guy's right behind me. Yeah. Okay. And he's like a sea level, you know, he lives out East. I don't think he has a lot of stuff, uh, purposeful training for mountain races out there. Um, he just posted, he'd run 1530 on his own last week. Uh, Mark Godet or Godet. I don't know. Mark, you have to tell us how to pronounce your name. Uh, he's my, he's my dark horse to crack the top five. And it's really, he's still newer in the sport. He says he's going, he's proven he's run 1530 already and he knows a little bit more. And I think he's more of a flatlander. So I think he's going to be a guy, uh, got our, we got our boy, Rich Ryan, who has the reinforced running podcast, a great podcast. Go give it a listen. Rich Ryan's run 52 minutes in a 10 mile. I don't know many guys in the field that can go run 52 flat for a 10 mile. If he's uh, on his game right now, he could have a potential to crack in there. And he can. Be, and you got he Nick. likes running aggressively too. He'll go out hard. He's not afraid. Yeah. Yep. And then you got Nick Riker. Um, Nick Riker and the, the gentleman you up. mentioned. Yeah, I think he's doing okay, man. I think he's doing all right. Was dinged up, missed training time, and we'll we'll see how that translates. He and the the guy in Florida that you talked mm -hmm. about who ran in road flats. Him and Nick Riker ran shoulder to shoulder. And then I think there was the controversy there with going off course and right. the other guy ultimately won. But that's the other people that I know I can say are in the fray that are worth mentioning. I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Sorry who you are. You're probably buddies of mine. I'm Logan, Logan Broadbent is, is Logan. Worth. I don't know if he's going though. I assume he is. This seems like something that he'd want to do, but again, yeah, I haven't talked to him. Um, he hasn't posted anything about it. So, so those are the names in the fray, so to speak. I think that can fill the top 10, maybe even top five. We could see somebody in there that you're not accustomed to seeing. As far as the top five, who the heck is going to end up in the top five, Bracken? You know, I can only make this based off of the skill sets of the guys who are in there and how I, how they've raced when I've raced against them and seen them do this kind of course. So in no particular order, the fastest, most obstacle proficient runners on this terrain would be Ryan Kempson, Ryan Woods, yep. um, Mark Botris, and VJ Jones. Couldn't agree more. I think those four, four are the class of on paper skill set, but I think we've we've been burned by Ryan Atkins too many times not to think that he's going to have some say in that. 
And outside of that, like it's a crapshoot. If anybody is on that day, then who knows? Ryan Kempson came out of nowhere to win it last year, and we could see the exact same thing. What's funny is uh, I was listening to Obstacle Racing Media's podcast on this. It was like the Jack's, Jack Bauer prediction episode. Um, and nobody's talking about Johnny Luna Lima. Like it's, they didn't bring him up one time. Okay. And we, here we are 40 minutes into this episode. We haven't talked about him. The dude is fast. Okay. Johnny Luna Lima is going to be part of the conversation. He's going to go out aggressive. He proved he can run pretty fast in Seattle last year on flat terrain. Uh, you know, I Strava creep everybody. And so I think he has the potential to go out and run smoothly with those guys up front. We just don't know where his raw speed's at. I wouldn't put it past him. Well, you and I both raced him twice in the flats last year. And both times like he's, he, I I would put his flat running around ours and that was last year. And I don't know what he's done in the off season. There's a chance he's better than he was last year. And I think that you are going to be right up there in that top five mix. And if I was healthy and fit, that would obviously be my goal. So yeah, I'd be foolish to say that Johnny can't be top five. If I think on the flats, he's us and we expect to be top five. Yep. This is how I predict it's going to go. You're going to have Kempson, Woods, VJ, Botris, And because Atkins is Atkins, he's not going to let the race slip away. So you're going to have those five guys, right? Right. Not comfortable enough to maybe go up and show the lead. But right behind them, you're going to see us in the background. It's going to be myself. You're going to see Aaron Newell. You're going to see Luna Lima. You're going to see Brian Gawiski. Um, You're going to see Mark Gaudette, Nick Riker, Rich Ryan, all within just like arm's reach of each other, you know, five, 10 yards behind those guys. And just either saying, hey, I'm going to jump and make the attack or I'm going to see what happens. That's what I predict is going to happen. Yeah. And people have nothing to lose here. Everyone realizes this is a foolishly early start to the season. It's a ridiculously short race. Like no one, no one's going to get like lose a sponsorship or ruin their season by blowing up here. So I think a lot of people are just going to say, screw it. Let's go for it. Yeah. And the other thing we should address real quick is the new point system. I don't know if you took a look at it, but last year, if you weren't in the top four, the points dropped off severely. And then it was just a one point differential for the remainder of the field. This year, now I know they posted the top 10 anyways, it's a weighted system all the way through the top 10. So those places are very much worth fighting for because they're bigger point gaps all the way back. I don't know what happens after 10th, if it's a single point differential or if they keep that going. But I had an like top four or nothing mentality mm-hmm. last year. This year, I don't have that mindset because of the way the point system is made up. I don't know how that'll factor in, but it's something worth talking about. Yeah, you're right. When we raced last year, you and I were in the same mix in a couple of the races early in the season. Gawiski, Kent Killian, we were all sitting in that five through 10 range, Johnny, Tyler Veerman, and no one was really a killer in that group. We were all like, man, the first four left us, podium's gone, money spots are gone, and the big points are gone. We're gonna run hard through the finish. And no one really left their soul out there. Mm-hmm. This year is going to be a little bit more like college cross country where every freaking place matters and you will destroy yourself for every place. It's true. The one race I was in, I was creeping. I had sight on everybody in Jacksonville last year and I knew top four was within my capability. And that's the one race where I didn't really leave much. I watched you, you and Killian battled and you dropped them. And that was, that's I could right, I did. You, you had that that certain like desperation. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had a, you had purpose to your stride that 
a couple of weeks later in Alabama, you and I didn't necessarily have. We we're running Got disconnected. hard, but and and, and it's it's kind of strange to talk about to say like, yeah, I was in the race for sixth, and I didn't like leave my soul out there. But it's not everyone has the desire to to turn themselves inside out without their tangible goal right there in front of them. Well, then the difference is okay. Let's say you're turning yourself inside out as your 100% race effort. Sure. Okay. Well, say you're racing hard, but now I don't have quite that fight in me is 98 or 99%. Yeah. Well, that still equates to 30 to 60 seconds over a race course. Yeah. That's a lot of time, right? Just that throttle, just mm-hmm. not coming off an obstacle is sharp, not going into it with the desperation, not getting back to your tempo effort as soon as you can. Um, I'm hoping that maybe, I don't know, I feel like there's worth it's worth fighting for points-wise more so. Well, so. And it's... It, it, and I don't want people to get confused that I'm saying like, we're all just say, Oh, it's gone. I'm not doing this. It's not, necessarily not even, even a conscious decision. It's that without the carrot right there, you can't always, some rare people can, but most athletes need that, that goal in sight in order to find that final piece of killing yourself. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that, especially in this sport, especially with the rhythm breaking component of this sport and the ability to, unattach yourself and get reattached and gaps forming. It's different than just pure running. You have to have that desire to close gaps when they're created. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes those gaps happen like unintentionally because of the way you went through uh, an obstacle. So I agree. What else do you have to add about the race? Um, anything else? I think you'll see that in this kind of race, the two things that are going to matter most are experience level and level of hunger. Last year, we saw Ryan Kempsing come out, and his experience level wasn't as high as some, but he was so hungry. And that's a guy that's willing to turn himself inside out and looks forward to doing it, and that counts for so much in these races. And so at the front, it's going to be the guys that can weather the storms with their experience level versus anyone who is just so hungry and has been thinking about this race nonstop for four months. Yeah, and this should be in the head. I feel like we're leaving the ladies a little bit out of this conversation. I'm sorry about that. Um, that should really be the case for these ladies that yes. want to make their footprint known. Like this year, when you look at who's doing the series, and I don't know who listens to this who's a real contender, probably nobody. However, like this is your time, ladies, to like show up hungry and freaking prove yourself. The men, yeah, I hate to say it. It's like the same old story of amazingly competitive field, which is great. However, the women, like, this is the time. Make your mark. Get your notoriety. You can do it. This is the race. Show up. Yeah, there are very few rip. times to steal some races. This is one of those. This is one where you know if I put it together and I just lay it out there a little differently than someone next to me, I now get my my name all over the sport for the next couple of weeks. And that doesn't happen 100%. very often. Nope. No, it does not. I think that was a, that was a good note to sort of end on. What else you got? That's it. I, I, I'm so excited to watch it. The, the best part about having surgery is that I get to just watch this race and fully spectate. And I, I yeah. really hope there's some good coverage on it. Oh, it's going to be disappointing. Like always. <laughs> I still, it just is. There's going to be five IG update stories on Spartans. Maybe somebody like OCR or ORM will take good care of it, but we will find right. out. Can, can, can we do a PSA to Spartan here? Sure. So you have all these people who are unhappy with their contracts and they're looking for ways to get more out of Spartan. 
I really think that Spartan should just pay three male and three female athletes to skip one race and do the camera work. So let's say it was you, me, and Mike Ferguson, just three Midwestern boys. You would yeah. take the first mile of the race. You can run with anyone in the sport for the first mile and you GoPro the mm -hmm. entire thing. You hand off to me, I do the middle mile, and Mike does the third mile. You now have every second of the race covered for the price of three flights and now we'll copy your travel to your to the rest of your series or something like that. I think they could do the same thing on the female side. They should have the, now their rabbits do a great job, but I think they should just get active racers to race step for step along with them the entire time. Yeah, put it up on an IG live or TV, and people are still going to watch. I mean, most for the most part watch. It's like it's like a football game is played, and you know the score, but you don't get a chance to watch it till the next day. Yeah. It takes the excitement out of it. Yeah, do it's, your refined coverage the next day, but let let's let us watch it live. Even if it's jumping around, blurry, shitty camera phone coverage, people eat that up. I'm hooked on that. Yeah. I'm glued to it when I can. But I guess that's a conversation for another day now, isn't it, Bracken? I suppose it is. All right. So real quick, let's do it real fast just to close this thing out now that I'm thinking about it. Top five women. Name them off. Uh, five through one. Nicole, Faye, Lindsay, Natalie, and... Let's say, I know I'm, uh, oh, Rebecca. Rebecca's not running. Oh, she's not? Then uh, Alyssa. Nope. Alyssa's not running. <laughs> Alyssa's not. Rocks. Leanne. Leanne, it is. Leanne, way to take that fifth spot, lady. You were my first I'm going, fifth uh, choice. <laughs> I'm going Nicole. I'm going Lindsay because she's like an Atkins. You just can't forget about her, even as fast as Faye Stenning is. So I'm going Nicole, Lindsay, Faye. And then I am going Leanne, and then I'm going Natalie Miano. So we have the exact same? How about for the, Just different order? Uh, I think so, yeah. I don't know who else to put in that equation. That's my own ignorance. Um, I want some ladies to bark at me on social media and say, hey, what about me? So that way we can talk about you next time. Uh, for the men, who you got? Uh, having raced Kempson in Florida early in the year, I can't bet against him. So this isn't a knock on anyone else, but I think Ryan Kempson wins it. I think VJ Woods and Botris are all top five, and I will. I'm going to say Kirk. Yeah. So I'm, I'm booting fifth. Atkins out, but you know Atkins is going to be top five. <laughs> You're just saying that because you know, cry. On the Jack Bauer prediction, I put you in as is my fifth place finisher. I did. Oh shucks. I think it's going to be VJ. Okay. I hate to say this because you can't even, it's like you want to second guess everything mm -hmm. because I don't even mean this personally when I put one person in front of the other. I think it's going to be VJ. I think it's going to be Kempson. Then it's going to be Woods, Atkins, myself. And then I think it's going to be, but again, there you have so many other people. I don't even know where to start. Johnny Botris. How do you even not even include them? Yeah. Gowiski is in better shape this year than he was last. And last year he was eighth. Yeah. Okay. You know, I could ramble forever, yeah. but that's, I almost hate making these predictions because we know all these guys and well, I, I just look at it like skill set on paper, take the names off. Christ. This skill set beats that skill set in theory. We have Ian Hosick who is fifth in the world and we haven't even brought him up. Yeah. He's a mountain runner and he likes to start a season slow. He could be a guy that could come out and just shock the heck out yeah. of us. We don't even know. All right. I could ramble for another 20 minutes, but I think we just got to stop. We have to.
Got to stop. Good luck out there. Thanks. You got the whole running public behind you. Yeah. Thank you, man. I wanted to actually, we don't do this on the running public, but I wanted to maybe ask if you're still listening to pause this quality programming. It'll take you, I don't know, five or 10 seconds to go give us a star and maybe write up a quick review on whatever you're listening to us on. What that does is it helps prioritize us and new people who are searching for podcasts and whether it's good feedback or bad feedback, feedback is still really helpful for us. And so pause this, take the 20 seconds to go give us a rating. I don't care what it is or 30 seconds to write up something really quick. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us and it's only going to help more people tune in in the future, which is a good thing for everybody. Don't you think Bracken? I agree. Uh, we appreciate everyone who already has left a review and we really appreciate all the comments we get after the shows and the feedback and then the questions. We do love getting the questions and, and, and keep them coming. We will try to answer every question on either a show or a training Tuesday that we get. I'll tell you what. And I was in Arizona this last weekend. Uh, the winning the race wasn't the highlight of my weekend. Humble brag. You know, anything. No, I'm being, it's not a humble brag. What really was the highlight of my weekend was I had so many people come up and say, like, I'm listening to the podcast. You guys are doing great. Thank you for this. And that meant a lot to me. So if you see us in Jacksonville or me, I guess Bracken's feeling lazy. Uh, you should come up and say something. We appreciate you guys. Uh, in Arizona it was great. Support was great. So thank you. And uh, it's rock and roll on Sunday, right, Bracken? That's right. Let her rip out there, Kirk. Let her rip.